You are listening to the Practicing the Art of Small Business podcast with Shannon Merlot and Julie Parker. Join their conversations about business, leadership, and the self-awareness journey to greater success. Julie to episode number five of Practicing the Art of Small Business. How are you? Happy Saturday and how are you? I'm good. On this Saturday, an odd day for us to be recording. Normally we record on a Wednesday, but you thought that being a Saturday, we could have the focus of this particular episode all about how to make sure that you're recharging over the weekend and what we do to recharge our battery so we can hit the ground running again Monday. Yeah, well, because it was a Saturday, I sort of thought, well, you know, the, the weekend is time to to recharge. But often, as small business owners, we do often slide a little bit of work in there. I do know a number of people are quite disciplined to not do that. I am not so disciplined to do that because I guess for me, I don't know what what it's like for you, Julie, but because during the week we've got clients that we see, and it's a lot of communication and talking and things like that. I actually like to have the weekend where I can put my head down and do some deep thinking work because I find that I don't often get deep thinking work during the week. So, but self-care is very important. We know that as business owners, the business can't outgrow your health unless you've set up great systems and what have you. But um, yeah, so that's why we thought Saturday. I'm right on board with you. I work all the way through the week. It's I'm I've got it kind of set up unintentionally to work all the way through the week. I don't have little children around. I'm married to Charles Coves, who works every day of the week from you know six thirty in the morning through to eight o'clock at night, and so it gives me the opportunity without guilt to be able to work. and And I'm on board with you because that's right. Through the week, we're committed. We need to be online or on site or on the phone with our clients all the way through. It is glorious to have the weekend where you can wake up and just start tackling stuff that occurs to you and you've got hours to do it. Mm-hmm. So I find the weekend work as enjoyable as through the week work. Mm. Well, this probably hasn't started off as well as what we thought, Julie, as we were supposed to be talking about the weekend for self-care and relaxation, and yet we're talking about how much we choose to work. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> it's interesting the work, the term self-care. Now, I was speaking with a client this past week. They're going through some huge trials at their business at the moment. There's a separation of partnerships and the staff has split into two groups and there's a lot of animosity there. In addition to that, there's a couple of uh, staff members who are really struggling with mental health, so they're trying to juggle that as well. And so it's been very difficult And but because they've been forced off-site and online and they've got limited capacity on what they can do with their own computer system, they're often working into their weekends now as well. And we're talking about this self, or they were saying, you know, the self-care side of things is very important. Now, I agree with that, but it did force me to contemplate what's effective self-care. I think some of the times I know that I've thought, oh, that must be when you just sit down in front of the telly and not do anything, or you sit down and read a book, you know, and you do your best to do as little activity and thought as possible. But my further contemplation around it is, no, you want to be able to 
use that downtime in a way that you can hit the ground running on Monday forward with a stronger mindset possibly, Mm. with a different perspective on your problems, with new insights around the challenges that you're facing so you can get towards solutions maybe for the coming week. What are your thoughts around that? Well, interestingly enough, I actually wrote more energy so so you can hit hit the week with more energy or hit the after self-care element with more energy. And it's actually a really interesting conversation. And if we can indulge me in my own need for coaching right now, Julie. So what I discovered pre-COVID is that I'm an outgoing introvert and labels are somewhat irrelevant. It doesn't really matter. All it means is that I really feel feel like I'm my best when I have a day, ideally, where I don't human. (laughs) And what I mean by that is I don't interact with humans at all. I don't talk on the phone. I don't send text messages. And a day is quite, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening who've got kids is like, oh my God, that would be my dream. (laughs) (laughs) And, And it's, It's just that I don't have that, so I don't know what I'd be like if I had kids. But the point is that I recharge really well when I can have that day. And when I don't have that day, I notice or have noticed in the past, because the past today is a different day to what's in the past, Mm -hmm. but I have noticed that I've really struggled to maintain energy and I've been more resistant going into the week to having conversations with people and wanting to interact with people. Now, I have got unconfirmed dinner plans tonight and unconfirmed lunch plans for tomorrow. So my question is or my challenge is what's more important and can I, and it goes back to your point of finding the self-care routine that allows the recharge in the space that there's a re- that the recharge is available because I've also got to throw in work and all the rest of it. So I'm I don't know what the value of me sharing my <laughs> downloading my emotional issues <laughs> to our listeners yeah. is. But what would be your suggestion? What What are yeah. your thoughts, Julie? The there was a there's a book um, by Mel Robbins called. Countdown to something or other, or five, four, three, two, one. I can't yeah, remember the, t- the actual title, but you know that you've heard the concept, yeah? Yes, and I, well, I've read the book. Oh, you've read the book? Well, that's even better. I just watched the uh, TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> Same, so, to be fair, I don't know if I'm pessimistic, but the book was literally the TED talk, every single chapter repeated. <laughs> so, and for anyone who wants the, uh, what's it called, the Blinkist list? Before you do anything or if you're looking to avoid anything, just go five, four, three, two, one, and then start to do it. So there you go. You've read the book. That's, you, yeah, that's, not, that's, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> so what she moves us through uh, is a process of when something occurs to you that you know, you know you should do, you ought to do, that's my next thing to do, our brains will naturally try to talk ourselves out of that because our brains want to constantly have us in rest in case we need to have a burst of energy to run away from a predator or something like that. And so catch yourself in that moment and count down five, four, three, two, 
one, and I think she says launch or action or something like that, just jump up and do that thing straight away. And the there's a pattern interrupt in your brain when you count down from five when you count backwards. And so that's a there's a useful theory behind that technique. And I tried doing that oh, probably a couple of years ago now, I think that book first came out, and I found it wonderful. And then I tied it in with the thought of, going with the flow of life, that life is presenting to you an inclination towards something that you need to be tackling at that moment. And so every now and again I get it, especially these down days, you know, the Saturdays, the Sundays, when we don't have a lot of client interaction and we can choose the projects that we work on any on any given day without because if I was inclined to work on client A, then I would start working on client A. Then I'd feel like I'd have to give it a good hour to be able to work on that. So if I was working on client A for 15 minutes and then I had the inclination to do something else, I would normally be inclined to push away that second thought and keep working on client A. I haven't worked on it long enough to be able to achieve anything. So the 54321 plus working in flow, what it has allowed me to do is work intuitively. And I think working intuitively has helped me enormously because I'm always energetic in my ideas and thinking and actions on the particular thing because it's intriguing me at that particular moment. It might mean I've got ADHD that I've never been diagnosed with. I have no <laughs> idea. But with what you're talking about, that, that you know, I planned this nothing day so I could just do my own thing and then all of a sudden I'm supposed to do lunch, well, remove the but I had other plans and go with the flow maybe and go, oh, I'm destined to have lunch today. And mm. when you, I think when you start to, I know for me, today was one of those days as well. I've got people coming around, uh, one half of the family coming around and then another half of the family coming around for dinner. So to clean the house and do the shopping and get the lamb on, the long, you know, the so-cooked lamb, all these things, get some gardening done. And so I was really going through that moment, those that space of I should clean the toilet now. Now I'm going to go put the lamb on. Now I'm, oh, I did wash my hands in between. Now, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some weeds. I'm going to go do the weeding now. And I would literally drop tasks halfway through to pick up a new task. I'm sitting here now talking with you and everything's done. And I felt like I was in flow. There was a horrendous traffic out there. I shouldn't say horrendous. There was a lot of traffic out there. I had to go to two separate coals just to be able to find a park at one of them to be able to get in there. Those sort of things would normally frustrate me. But I was like, no, it's where I'm supposed to be at the moment. It's what's supposed to be happening at the moment. And being in flow and doing what you just intuitively feel like doing, I do find I have very enjoyable days and still get everything done I want to get done. Mm. You've raised a really interesting point, Julie, and you and I both are in that space of spirituality and law of attraction and and um, I'm exploring that more and more. And for those listeners where this is not your jam, that's totally cool, but there's a lot to be learned from the idea of letting go of negative emotions and leaning into the things that are resisting so in a spiritual sense, there's the resistance to th- those messages that are coming in, that intuition that's coming in. But more broadly, if we are resisting other things in life, you know, ang- if we're resisting through holding negative emotions such as anger and frustration and what have you, then we're not going to get those intuitive nudges. 
It's really interesting you say that because I've been asking for greater intuitive nudges. But I have a real habit of faffing about, which is why I like the, like that day to do nothing. So I can just faff about and kind of get nothing done. <laughs> kind of notice I was like, oh, that's not, that hasn't been done and that hasn't been done. But I like what you said. I like what you said. And I wonder what would happen if I spent the whole day just going, what's what's the next thing? Um, maybe I'd not turn up to lunch, but... <laughs> <laughs> let my friend in. <laughs> I, I I like also the idea around the the letting go of resistances, and I'm audiobook listening to David Hawkins. I think it's the art of letting go or letting go. Um, for those who are again, sort of new into the spiritual kind of realm. It's letting go this pathway of surrender, David Hawkins. Oh, good. This, this could be probably a little bit confronting for those who are new at it, but there's lots of really interesting takeaways. And I think that if you're listening to this, the the school of thought around <laughs> the law of attraction would say, Maybe just have a listen. You might take something out of it that you need to hear. Anyway, the point around the book was he he said, as you grow and as you let go of your resistances, you will no longer hold attachments to certain friendship groups or certain business groups or certain people. And it's not, it's because you are no longer attached. You are no longer attached to the outcome of that relationship. But because you're no longer attached and perhaps because you're at that kind of vibrating at a different level now, you're no longer a match to those people who are vibrating at a lower level. And you have to be comfortable that there's going to be ebbs and flows in the relationships that you have with people. Those that are designed to be on the journey, and that's not the language that he says, but those that are designed to be on your journey will grow with you and will elevate with you. And those who don't will stay below, but because you, and when I say below, they're talking energy fields and all sorts of stuff. But it's really interesting how I think it's really interesting how you and I have connected up at a point where I feel like I'm vibrating, vibrating (laughs) on a different level. And the people that I've attracted in in recent times are are people that I really admire and get really inspired working with. And they actually are reflecting back that that's what they see in me. And if perception is projection, then I'm like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. And to be fair, now that I've had that experience with cool people who are vibing, I can't believe I'm using the word vibing. (laughs) No, not my brand. But anyway, um, the more that I do that, the more that I'm like, if you're you person who may or may not have been in my life in the past are stuck in your past and stuck in your challenges and not on that journey of letting go and improving and and really rising above the challenges that they're experiencing right now, do I want to be expending energy in that relationship? And I don't know if that makes any sense, but it, it does make sense. And I think sometimes we do have this 
long-held belief that we're supposed to be maintaining our friendships and a successful person has got friendships that date back to kinder and they still catch up with them all the time. And I don't think it's necessarily the case because as we grow up, when we're at kinder, where we've got everything in common, including the location of the other people at kinder. And the same is true for primary school and high school and for those that go to university, university. When we get out of those firm structures, we get then go into working environments as well. And then we have that strong commonality. When you start to develop different interests, whether they don't need to be better than or worse than or anything, they're just different interests, which is we're bound to do because we then have these big lives to fill that used to be filled with high school hours and university hours and all the rest of it. And But now we're filling them with different things, things that interest us. And so this is where naturally we're supposed to move away from people because we remain in close friendships with people that we have a lot of things in common with. Those commonalities may be our family backgrounds or our sporting interests, music, you know, playing an instrument, the kind of work that we've ended up becoming part of. But one of those interests as well is that self-awareness journey. And so if you are projecting in a different direction from a self-awareness perspective, you are reducing down the commonalities that you have with your existing tribe and you will naturally want to gravitate to those that do interest you. I mean, that's what rapport is, isn't it? We love being in rapport with people, speaking about the things that we're all familiar with that that person is then reflecting back onto us. Mm. So, Shannon, what are the kind of things that you like to do on the weekends? You do a little bit of work, a little bit of downtime. What are you doing then? Mm. Well, my Sunday mornings are treasured. And often I'll still wake up pretty early, especially if I haven't drunk on Saturday night. <laughs> so I'll wake, I'll wake up early and then I'll normally do quite a long meditation, up to an hour meditation sometimes. And I quite like to journal and faff around and just spend time in my pyjamas and I'll often spend an hour or so reading uh, a fictional book, which I quite like doing. Sometimes I invite the old lady who's a 20-year-old cat for those who haven't haven't heard of the old lady before just to be just to be sure. So that sometimes I'll invite her um into the into the bed and she's uh she, I do it because I'm allergic to cats so she's not allowed in the bedroom at all. But she's so old now, I feel that I've got to give her tiny bits of joy in her life and she gets so excited if she's allowed in the bedroom, number one, and in, you know, snuggled into the blankets on the bed. She's like the happiest little thing. And I think I've, I've got to give her some level of joy. And of course I get some level of joy out of that. And I suppose I that's kind of you be getting joy as well. That's right. <laughs> um, so, so that tends to be a good routine that I run most Sundays. I'm very looking forward get, to getting back into running. I often did a run on Sundays, uh, and I gym the other days, but I really enjoyed my Sunday run. I find good freedom and balance in my brain when I run. So I haven't run for ages. I'm looking forward to getting back into that. So you don't listen to anything when you run? It's just you and your thoughts? Uh, Normally techno. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, normally techno. Um, That's how old I am. I wouldn't actually know what techno music is. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I grew up with pseudo, pseudo Echo and Uncanny X-Men. Come on. <laughs> I actually think the original techno did start in Detroit in the 80s. I'm very happy to be wrong about that and maybe we should Google and get my facts straight. But I believe that the origins of techno are Detroit in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be Mix listening of- to a bit of techno. I'll type in techno music and see what comes up so I can oh, understand what you young it. things are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so youthful, so so junior. So there are the things that I definitely like to do. You mentioned earlier that people think that they need to watch TV or read a book or what have you to chill out. I'm probably... I have been in that camp in the past because I tend to run my brain at a pretty, um, that's a technical term for those who are listening. High frequency. High frequency. And, And I find that other than meditation, the things that switch my brain off is is sitting down and reading a fictional book for a good period of time, enough time for the brain to wind off. Um, and I do watch, I very rarely watch TV, but if I watch TV, I, it doesn't have, an, I don't watch a movie or a drama or anything like that because it requires too much brain space to do it. So I just need to watch something that involves no emotional commitment, like a renovation show or a cooking show or something. So that tends to be what I do. It's a bit boring, isn't it? No, that's good. It's not boring if you're enjoying it. If it does the job, if it helps you recharge, it does the job. Mm. I tend to, of an evening, 6.30, get myself a gin and soda. Check you out. A handful of cashew nuts and sit down in front of Judge Judy and I watch two episodes of recorded Judge Judy. I find it as I'm playing Candy Crush as well, actually. So I find it enormously satisfying and it's something to look forward to. And I do feel myself, I start getting the taste of cashew nuts at around, you know, six o'clock. I'm like, it's getting time, it's getting time. (laughs) And so rarely do I not get to do that. But that's a very, I do that and and then pack that up and then I, cook dinner so I I do tend to have a, a cutoff time of an evening unless I've got any online sessions of an evening but then on the weekends Charles records all of his podcasts he's got two podcasts the Charles Covest show and the Monash community podcast and so Sundays are a big work day under normal circumstances but the Saturdays are generally my downtime day and I love the freedom that the Saturday gives me because I'll be going out for a long walk at some point during that day. I might do some shopping and running around here, there and everywhere in the car. And I've got lots of time to listen to the podcasts I haven't caught up on yet, the videos that people have sent through on YouTube talking about the political situation in America or the COVID situation around the world. I'll just pause for a second. Julie's not watching videos while driving. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Listening only, listeners, listening only. (laughs) Safety first, safety first. <laughs> I've got my mask on the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine when you crash the car. <laughs> and so it is nice just not to be so held to the next appointment time, the next online session. I've got to get this done quickly so I can get back for my 3 o'clock so I can get to that on-site visit by four o'clock. So it's nice not to be held to time and I get a lot of freedom from that space as well. You've just hit the nail on the head. Yay. I don't even know when I did it. (laughs) 
And so maybe, Shannon, that's it. Maybe that's what we need to be able to recharge. We need a day or a period of a day to be able to do what we like when we feel like it without constantly looking at the clock for the next thing that we need to be ready by or for the next person has an expectation upon us. Maybe the recharging comes from just being in our own space and being present. We can be doing work. We can be doing gardening. We can be doing reading or being in front of a television, but we're not time pressured. And when we're not time pressured, we are able to be more present in the moment. Of course, parents don't fall into that category. (laughs) (laughs) Interestingly enough, as you said, expectations, what came up for me, because I've been doing a lot of work on leaning in and letting go of negative emotions or or emotions that have a negative vibe to them in my body. And when you said expectations, I got a bit of a, um, a feeling to that. And I was thinking that really, as with everything, I could lean into that and let go of any guilt because expectation has associated guilt and guilt is a negative emotion. So if there's no expectations and just freedom to then go with the flow, then I'm not actually catching up with people out of guilt. I'm doing it because I want to do it or I'm not doing it because I choose not to do it because it doesn't feel right or it doesn't feel enjoyable. So it's interesting about how, in my mind, expectation is actually associated with guilt and probably shame as well. If you if you don't meet someone's expectation, then then you're not good enough and therefore there's shame associated with it. So I might do a little sort of surrender meditation to that. I think that that might actually be fun to see what's on the other side. And it, it also associates with that book from uh, David Hawkins that I mentioned about letting you just let go. You, you lean in, you feel the emotions and you let go of them. And it's interesting what, what I've experienced on the other side of letting go of those those emotions. So, yeah, interesting, interesting, something something to add on the list of things to do tomorrow without an expectation of doing them. <laughs> Prioritise that one. 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, replace meditation with um, surrender, surrendering, surrendering to the moment. That's good. So the key is to be aware enough of what feeds us as human beings individually and what we need to do to be able to put in our best effort the coming week rather than having that sort of thing, something that we defer off to, or when I have a holiday, that's when I'll recharge. Or when I get time to become inspired, that's when Mm -hmm. I will deliver a stronger performance and become more reflective about the path that I'm on. We've only ever got the here and now, and now's the time to take action. Our life is happening right now. That is that is so true, and that's a real that's the real key of presence, isn't it? Depression is going is thinking about the past, and anxiety is worrying about the future. And the only thing that we can control is this moment, like n- now. But n- no, now because that was gone. Now so it's now, <laughs> but it's already gone. So gosh, I'm not doing this very well. <laughs> it seems chaotic. Seems urgent and chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> So all we have is the here and now and there is a time for work and there is a time for play and there is a time for rest and rejuvenation. So choose your time through the week, something regular you can rely upon that you can look forward to 
and get as much rejuvenation out of that moment as you can, whether it be five minutes, a five-minute meditation, for example, or a good 40 minutes in front of Judge Judy, whatever it takes for you. (laughs) I love it. Thanks, Julie. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Bye.